0: 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 13. And if you've been going with me through 1 John, you know that this is not the first time that he has addressed this particular subject of love. And uh, the the title of my message this morning is Assured by His Love. Assured by His Love. If if you don't remember anything from Daryl Krim and my time with you and and sharing from God's Word and trying to communicate the very best that I can what Christianity is all about, I want you to remember this, okay? Christianity, your life and relationship with Jesus, it's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. So if I were to ask you that question this morning and say to you, what is Christianity all about? It's all about it's all about relationships. Jesus took it and put it in a nutshell. He said, "This is the greatest of all the commandments: that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength." That's that's that describes our relationship with Him. But He doesn't stop there. Christianity doesn't stop with your personal, individualized compartmentalized relationship with Jesus. Here's the problem. He wants us to relate to people. He wants to relate. He wants us to have relationships with people. And it's people. You know, it's kind of like, oh man, I don't have any problem with you, God. <laughs> it's these people that, that we're trying to relate to down here. But he he says that we are not only to love him but if you got the real deal, you have the real thing, and it's genuine, it's authentic, this is going to spill over. Not only are you going to have a right relationship with, with me, but you're going to have a right relationship, there with your wife. You're going to have a right relationship with your kids. You're going to have a right relationship with everybody else that's a member of the body of Christ. That you love one another. That you love one another. And so... He, he brings this down to us a third time, not because he's run out of things to talk about, but because this is so important that he wants to, and each time it gets kind of deeper and deeper. There's one way to look at it and say, in this passage of Scripture, this is somewhat of an apex that he leads us to, to help us understand all about this stuff, about loving one another. There's another way to look at it, and that is, how deep does it go? How deep does it go? How deep does that relationship with that person that's beside you go? How deep does that relationship with that person that's sitting on the other side of the auditorium, how deep does it go? And so he's he's going to challenge us. This is a challenge. It is a challenge to love one another. And he's going to mention it three times in this passage of Scripture that we are to love one another. One another. And before I read the passage, here's what I want you to look for. We are assured by his love in us, we are assured by his love for us, we are assured of his love through us. Okay? Now let's look at the passage. 1 John 4 7 through 13. He says, Beloved, Let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And by this, the love of God was manifested in our behalf, in our case, in us. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's beheld God at any time. And if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. As we look at this passage of Scripture, I want to begin by looking at the first two verses of the passage. That's verses 7 and 8. And and as I read this passage, here's what it says to me. What John is giving to us when he says, I want you to love one another, is this. He's giving to us an exhortation to love. He's giving to us an exhortation to love one another. Here's what he says. Beloved, let us love one another. This is an exhortation. In other places, Jesus himself, as a matter of fact, in John chapter 13, John records for us, the same John records for us in the gospel, some words from Jesus' mouth in chapter 13, when he says, a new commandment I give to you. That you're to love one another. Now John's not putting it in the form of a commandment here. He's putting it in the form of an exhortation. And he's, what he's saying is, let us love one another. Why? He's going to give us a reason. He's going to give to us a basis for us loving one another. Here's what he said. For love is from God, and everyone who love, loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I use the word exhortation intentionally, deliberately, because along with the word exhortation, in my mind comes the word of encouragement. And what John is saying is, I want to encourage you folks to love one another, but he's also got something else in mind, and that is an expectation. There is an expectation in John's heart for his people that they would love one another. It is an expectation that God has for us that we would love one another expectations are good, aren't they? And because I, I, have, I have high expectations. I had high expectations. I continue to have high expectations for my children and my grandchildren. And the reason why I have those high expectations is because I know how, how important they are. I know how, 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 how much potential they have in them. I know the value of them because I value them and know how, how that I've got the best kids and the best grandkids in the world, I've got high expectations for them. And so when God, when God has an expectation for you and God has an expectation for me, what that's saying to me is God thinks a lot of me and God thinks a lot of you. And that's why he says, because I think so much of you and because I know you can do this, and we're going to find out how, because I know you can do this, that, that this is not unrealistic expectations. Okay? You've you, you got to frame that in your mind, that you've got to understand this expectation that he lays out to us is not an unrealistic expectation. It is to be a fulfilled expectation because of all that God has done for us and in us and through us. And so, this is an exhortation to love. And here's the basis of it. Here's his basis for this expectation, this exhortation this encouragement is because this is all about this is all about God's love in you. It's all about God's love in you. You see, this love that he's talking about right here is, is a special word that's used to qualify a special kind of love. Many of you have heard this word. It's the word agape," and it's associated with a God-like love. It's not to say that the lost person. It's not to say that the person that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus can't be a loving person. As a matter of fact, we even have a a, a city that is is, is called Philadelphia. (laughs) And they call it the the city of what? Brotherly love. I meant to look up how many homicides there were in that city of brotherly love. And And I meant to look up the crime rate in the city of brotherly love. And I meant to look up the abuse rate in the city of brotherly love. But just, on, just as a human being, just as a human being, we ought to be loving towards one another. But this is not a o love. This is not a brotherly love like they ought to have in Philadelphia and in Roanoke, Virginia. But it ought to be a godlike love. This is an agape love. This is big. This is big. This is the kind of love that you cannot fulfill on your own. You don't have the power, you don't have the resources within yourself to show this kind of love towards somebody else. And, and, if, and if you don't know about that, you had not met somebody that's difficult to love. And, 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 and so he's saying to us here, he's saying, this is the kind of love that comes only when God is in you. Because the distinguishing qualities of this particular love, first of all, this kind of love, John tells us, it originates in God. It originates in God. Here's what he says. He said, we are to love one another. Why? Because love is from where? It's from God. It's from God. That's the basis of it. Now, two guys here. Me and, and one other person. Okay? And, and uh, this, this person over here, we, we can begin to have a, a love relationship with one another based on, well, maybe this person and I have the same interests together. Maybe this person has the same hobby that I have and we have the same connection and maybe our personalities are similar and, and, and maybe we, uh, we, we uh, I don't know, there, there's, we sometimes call it just a, a chemistry that exists between two people and, and uh, you know, it might be that, that you have an attraction towards somebody else, and, 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 and so you begin to have this love relationship with them, and uh, because of who they are, because of who they are, and it might be that because of who you are, <clears throat> and because of who they are, you enter into something of a love relationship, but this love, this love is not flowing out of from who you are, or out of from Who that individual is, it is not a because of love, it is an in spite of love. In other words, this is a kind of love that you love this person in spite of the fact that there's a personality conflict. This is a kind of love that you begin to have a love for them in spite of the fact they just irritate you to death and just wear you out. Have you ever been around people like that? Have you ever been around folks that just, they're a drain? And, 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 and what we have a tendency to do is just avoid them. We don't want to associate with them. And, and, and maybe they're, they're different than us, okay? And, 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 and so, but this, this love that he's talking about is not coming from him or him, but it's coming from God. It's coming from, it originates in God, and it flows from God. It flows from God. It comes from this word for knowing. This word for knowing is talking about a a, a constant, ongoing type of intimate relationship where there is this flow that you have from God. And it's so important because our basic sinful nature is to just get tired of folks and want to write them off. Certain folks, not everybody, just certain ones. Maybe they've hurt us, maybe they've disappointed us, maybe they irritate us, whatever the case. But we we just we, we've had enough. We've had enough. And and we just want to separate ourselves from them. But what's amazing is that if, if we have a constant flow in our relationship with God. We can't leave it there. There's something in us and it's God that's in us that won't let us leave it there. And so it originates with God, it flows from God as we know him, as we know him and develop this personal relationship with him. And, and then he also says, we're born of God. We are born of God. In other words, the Bible describes it this way. We, we talk about a born again experience. Well. We know that when a birth takes place, when conception takes place, when life begins to live, it means that the, the, the seed of man and the egg of the woman unite, and, and, and life begins in, in that person. Well, the seed of God, the seed of God, Jesus is the seed of God, it is, is placed in our life, it's united in faith, and life begins, life begins, and it's a brand new life. And it's a life that we would not normally have within our own resources. It's a life that's, that God puts himself within us. In other words, what happens to us is when we're born again, when we're born again, we become God's children. And here's what happens. It's, and, and this is what assures us that we are now God's children. There's something in us. We get God's DNA. We get God's DNA. And, and his DNA is now in us, and we find ourselves loving people who we would not normally love, and we love them in ways that we would not normally love them. And so he associates this, this exhortation, this expectation, this encouragement, and helps us understand that this whole basis of all this, you can do this, we can do this, because it's God in us. It's in us. He's flowing in us. He, uh, he, he, he has caused us to be born again, and he's given to us nothing less than the love that he has for other people. And so that's the exhortation. But then there's the expression of love. There's the expression of love. And and when we think of the expression of love, I want you to look at these two verses, verses verses 9 and verses 10, and I want you to see how these two verses right here show us the expression of God's love for you. Okay? God's expression of his love for you. And here's where it goes. By this... The love of God was manifested in our case, okay? Uh, This is how God shows his love among us. That God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might have life through him. And in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation. Y'all got that word? Say that with me, propitiation. Ah, it's pretty rough. It's a tough one, but we're going to hit that in just a moment. The propitiation for our sins. Another, okay. All right. All right, John. All right, God. Okay, Holy Spirit. You're telling me I'm, I'm to love one another. i got to know what that looks like. Manifest that for me. Give me a role model. Give me an example. Okay? And, and, and here's where John goes. He says, with nothing less... Nothing less than the kind of love that God manifested to you. So let's look at the kind of love that God manifested to us. First of all, it's the kind of love that shows initiative. It's the kind of love that shows initiative. He he says repeatedly, this is the God, this is the love that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that that we might know Him. That this love, He loved us and He sent His Son to us to be the propitiation for our sin. So what I want you to see here is that this is God taking the initiative to love you. In other words, God was not waiting for you to come to Him. He took the initiative and He came to you where you were. He sent His Son to you. Now, We love him, in verse 19, why? Because he first loved us, okay? And so the whole concept, the whole concept of of getting a picture of this love where these two people are trying to relate to one another and there's some issues going on. And so God's saying to us, we need to love one another the same way that God, we need to show initiative in that. In other words, don't just hang around and wait for that other person to come to you. That you go to them where they are, where they are in love. Not only does it show initiative, but secondly, it shows sacrifice. It shows sacrifice. Here's what he says. He sent his son initiative to be the propitiation for our sins. Let me see if I can explain this to you. Anytime... First of all, you, we need to understand who we are because of our sin. Because of our sin, the Bible says that we are the enemies of God. The enemies of God. We, we have disobeyed Him. We, uh, we have gone our own way. We, uh, our attitude and our actions have alienated us from Him. And we are hostile towards Him. And so, We are his enemies. But God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, and later on in the next verse, he talks about us being enemies, he came to us. He came to us. Now, anytime anytime that somebody hurts you, hurts me, does something wrong, an injustice, or whatever the case might be, there's something that starts to swell up within us. And what is that? <laughs> it makes you angry. makes you angry. There is a certain wrath that we begin to have. It's not always a holy wrath, okay? It might be a very unholy wrath based on not all the information or whatever the case might be, but... but there's a, this, this wrath that begins to build up and it comes out in the form of bitterness, resentment, and all kinds of garbage. We, we, we understand that. And, and, and so when we sin against God, the Bible teaches us that there is a wrath of God. And the wrath of God is, is, is against those of us who are sinners because we have deeply offended God and our deep offense of God has aroused the wrath of God. And that's what we are due, is the wrath of God. And, and, and so we got to deal with the wrath of God. Now this word, propitiatory sacrifice, means a sacrifice that is being placed, being offered for the purpose of satisfying the wrath of the offended one. And, and, and so what he's saying here is, what God has done... For us, we have aroused his wrath because of our disobedience and our sin. And if we don't if if something's not done about that, if that wrath is not satisfied, then we're going to have to deal with the wrath of God. And so how can can we can we appease, can we satisfy the wrath of God on our own efforts? Absolutely not. Because of all of our righteousness is his filthy rags before him. And so what God has done is. God has offered a sacrifice on his behalf of himself what he's offered for us to take the wrath, his own wrath upon himself. And so that's why we see Jesus hanging on the cross. That's why we see Jesus absorbing the wrath of God and saying, Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because the wrath of God that was deserved for us, that we deserve, went upon him. And so, and so God took the wrath Upon himself. That is love. That is love. And so, there are those of us, and taking all of that, we would wonder, well, to what extent am I willing to sacrifice because of the wrong that somebody's done me? Somebody's done me, they've hurt me, um, 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 I'm angry, there's this wrath that's building up, and so they've got to make up for it or else are you willing to... to, to what, are, what are you going to have to sacrifice? What are you going to have to sacrifice? Somebody's got to make a sacrifice for that. Either that person or you has got to make a payment for that. Who's going to be? And what he's saying here is if we express the love of God to one another, we're willing to make that sacrifice. Whatever it costs, whatever it takes. What did it take for Jesus? Or what did it take for God? It, it, it cost Him His only begotten Son. And so he's saying, I'm not drawing the line anywhere. I'm giving everything I've got because of that. And so we have to do the same thing in our relationships with others. And so that's the expression of love, which is God's love for us. But it doesn't stop with God's love for us. He wants, to take, he wants us to take it not only personally, but he wants us to show it towards others as well. And then there's the embodiment of love. And this is God's love through us. Here's what he says in verses 11, 12, and 13. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. We. No one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. In other words, it's brought to its intended goal. That's what this idea of perfection is. It is... is God puts his love within you. You begin to experience God's love, but God does not intend it to stay within you so that you can go through life and say, yes, I feel loved by God. I know I'm loved by God. I know I'm a believer because he's loved me so much. He's, he's put that in you so that we might express it to those around us. That's the embodiment of God's love. This is God's love through us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He's given us His Spirit. When this takes place, when this takes place, this is the proof of His presence in your life. This is the proof of His presence in your life. When you begin to embody this, and it's not pretend, it, it's the real thing, it's flowing from God, and, and you, and, and He's the one that, that's that's leading you to love people in this way, that is proof of His presence abiding in you. Not only to ourselves as assurance of our relationship, but also to those around us. But secondly, it's a powerful witness to the world. It's a powerful witness to the world. I, I, I want to I close by just sharing this little story with you. I think it'll fit. <laughs> it just kind of came to my mind. Uh, about 15 years ago, about 15 years ago, I, I, Susan and I bought a piece of property up in uh, Bedford County. And uh, we, we had, had, some, had some vision for that of putting a little cabin on that and kind of a nice little getaway. We liked the outdoors and that kind of thing. And, and so it, it was just a raw piece of property, and, and, and we, we bought that. And uh, one day I got a phone call from uh, my neighbor. My neighbor. So I pick up the phone and my first contact with my neighbor, he cussed me out. He cussed me out. Uh, man, I mean, he let me have it. <laughs> I thought, whoa, what have I got myself into here? And uh, I hung up the phone. And of course, it's 15 years ago, so I don't remember exactly what I had to say. But I, I do remember saying, to, to, <laughs> I said, you know, I think this guy, when people found out I bought a piece of property living that's next door to him, they said, wow, he's got quite a reputation. <laughs> he, he's, uh, anybody, nobody likes him, everybody hates him, and he hates everybody, and, all this, and you got next to him? I said, well, I didn't know it at the time. But I, I, I got off the phone, and I told to Susan, I said, you know what? We're going to love this guy. We're just going to love this guy. And, and, and sure enough, you know, I'd, I'd let him vent. <laughs> I'd let him vent all his hostility and all his anger, And and he played the same old record. You ever been around people that just, they they got anger pent up in them? And and every time you're around them, what do they do? They just play the same old record over and over, just, you know, all over you, every time you're around them. And after a while, what do you want to do? I said, man, I've had enough of that. But there was something in me, there's something in me that said, you know what? Sometimes the harder they are, the harder they fall. And, and, and so, when Susan would be out of town or something, and I'd go up there and camp out or whatever, I'd, I'd call him up and I'd say, Hey, man, I'm batching it. Let's go out and eat. And I'd take him out to eat, you know, and he'd, he'd been a little bit more. And I'd go back and I'd take him out to eat again, you know. And, and the next thing you know, man, we, we became good friends. We became good friends. And everybody else hated him, but we, we just had this friendship. Well, he... Uh, He abused his body through alcohol. He abused his body with drugs. And he began to pay the consequences for it. And his liver began to fail. And uh, he he got on the liver replacement uh, uh, list over there at UVA. And uh, his health just continued to to go down. And uh, we tried to maintain relationship. And he came up to me one day and he said, "Daryl, I took him out to eat one night and he said, Darrell, I, I want to ask you to do something for me. He said, I don't know how long this is going to last, but he said, I want you to do my funeral for me. And, and so I, I had an opportunity to talk to him about the Lord, and, and I shared the Gospel with him. And I said, well, if I do your funeral for you, Gerald, I've I, I got to know where you stand with Jesus. you know." And, and so I shared the Gospel with him, and here's what he said. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. All right, whoa. Do you understand how big this is, Gerald? Do you understand this? How can anybody sit there and say, I'm not ready yet? All that, all that God's willing to do for you and forgive you and all this garbage and stuff that's been in your life. Anyway, I'm not ready yet. So that was, his, that was his posture for years, for several years. This past week, Gerald's up at Roanoke Memorial Hospital. And he's literally on his deathbed, okay? Literally on his deathbed. And I went by and visited Gerald. And I said, Gerald, (laughs) I said, "Uh, man, I didn't laugh. I I said, man, you're coming to the end. He said, I know it. And uh, I said, Gerald, you've, you've burned a lot of bridges, haven't you? He said, I sure have. I said, you've been filled with anger and you've been filled with hate. Are you ready yet? Here's this meanest guy you'd ever want to meet. I mean, a hard shell. You ever meet guys like that? Hard shell. Hard shell. Tears start coming down his face. And I said, do you know? Do you know how much God loves you? That he, that he wants to forgive you? Of all your sins, Gerald. I said, do you want to receive him? Are you ready yet? And he said, I am. And so, and so we, we, we prayed together. I voiced the prayer. He repeated it after me. He died just, uh, he, he died, I guess, uh, Thursday. He died Thursday morning. But why don't I share that story with you? I'm a human being just like you. How do you feel towards people that cuss you out? (laughs) Huh? What's what's your first reaction? I know what my first reaction typically is. Typically, and I I, I honestly say that. Typically, my first reaction to somebody who who dumps that garbage on me, I don't want anything to do with them. Okay? That's my typical reaction. But there was something I can't help but say, God's been in this thing the whole way. I wish every relationship... I could stand here before you and tell you that every relationship has been like that, but I can use this one as a model. And I can say that what, what I began to sense was that God wanted to embody me with a love with, with, with a guy that just absolutely filled with hate and resentment because God had a plan for him to come to him in the future. And who knows? I did not know at the time, but that I was the guy that God could use to help him. Come to know. Are you the person? Are you the person? Whether it's somebody in the church that's dealing with stuff in their life that's got them filled with anger and bitterness and, and hatred. But, but how do we relate? To it? So do we see the power and the magnitude of what John is saying here? John is saying to us, Whoa, love one another. Why? Because. Because nobody has seen God at any time. So what's the implication? They can't see God physically, but they can begin to experience God as they begin to experience the love that his people show towards each other and towards him. And so all of this, this, this exhortation, this admonition, and yes, Jesus gives it to us in the form of a command, That this, this cannot be fulfilled on your own. This level of love, to go to this place in your relationships with others, you cannot do this on your own. You can't do it independently, within your own resources, because I promise you, God will put somebody in your life at some point in time or another that will test that. (laughs) And, 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 And he'll lead you to the point. To make you realize that you can't do this on your own. That you need God to love that other person. But here's something else. And there's some of you that are at that place. And there's some of you that want to turn to God and ask, you, ask Him to fill you with His love. But here's another thing. You can't do this on your own. I don't know where you are in relationship to a church. Okay? Okay? But in our culture today, a lot of people want to just kind of come in and go back out and live the Christian life on their own. How do you love one another on your own? How do you do that? You can't. You can't love one another by living it. Well, I don't need the church. I'll just do it on my own. It doesn't happen that way. You're not going to experience the depth of God's love that he has for you until you get involved and engaged in the body of Christ and you begin to love all of us all of us even even the difficult ones even the hard ones because you know what God uses those (laughs) God uses those probably even more so than the ones that are easy let's pray God God It's 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 people, and uh, why did you have to command us to do this? Uh, there's a reason behind it, and and it's to drive us to you. And and God, what a what a what a great home it is! What a great home it is when family members in that home love one another. God, what a great church it is when the members love one another. God, what a great testimony it is to a watching world who doesn't know anything about it. Heavenly Father, there are those among us here today that want to cry out to you and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Fill me with nothing less than the love that you have for me that I might show it to somebody else. And then, God, there are those among us that just need to come and get connected to a church and just say, um, I want to relate to others the way God has related to me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.